I've been asking people, can you achieve your dreams where you currently work? Now, both of you, uh, give me a number from 0% to 100%. What percentage would you think said yes? I can, where I work, I can achieve my dreams. The topics and opinions expressed in the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4CY Radio, its employees or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability explicit or implied shall be extended to W4CY Radio or its employees or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4CY Radio. Welcome back, everyone, to the Geeks, Geezers, and Googleization Show, the home of Googleization Nation, where we talk with HR and business thought leaders about the crazy shift going on in the world of business, technology, and HR. Here's your host, Ira Wolf, and co-host, Joyce Joya. Well, if it's Wednesday, it's got to be Geek Skeezers and Googleization Day. Hi, everyone. Uh, welcome back uh, to the Geek Skeezers and Googleization Show, and thank you for being part of Googleization Nation. It's been a kind of crazy and wild day. Some of you might have been on the webinar that I just hosted. Uh, we had a great webinar, very active, but uh, obviously a very full morning. And now here we are doing another, you talk about Zoom fatigue. Uh, <laughs> none of the platforms I've been on have been Zoom but uh, certainly moving from one way or the other and, and it kind of living out my uh, millennial trapped in a baby boomer body uh, <laughs> existence, uh, multitasking, thinking I'm, uh, you know, 25 years old and, and uh, can, can look at four screens at a time. Oh, but you can, <laughs> Ira, you definitely I'm doing can. So far, so good. So far, so I, Ira, I wasn't able to make it for the, the uh, adaptability summit. So will you please share with me the highlights of what happened? Well, the, the highlights are, are sort of afterwards. We, well, one is we had a really, really active chat. Uh, we had a great attendance, a lot of in, engagement, uh, interactivity there. And then afterwards, got a bunch of nice emails, in, including it. several of them said it exceeded expectations. We had people that locked in in the beginning. And, you know, if you've been on webinars, you, you lose people throughout there. And uh, we, had, we had like a high 90% wow. completion that logged in the beginning. Now, whether they were, you know, sitting in front of the screens or what they were doing. <laughs> uh, but from the engagement, there were people answering, asking, answering, engaging, sharing. So that was great. Just kind of for, for listeners out there, uh, was the Adaptability Summit. It was, had a multiple, couple different names, but one was, what you know, why is adaptability the number one in-demand skill? We've talked about that, and, and we'll be talking about that today, I'm sure, to some degree. Uh, but we were talking about the future of work. Um, we're talking about, you know, re really interesting ending. And, and, and again, the re there is a replay, and you can see the link going across the screen. It may not be up yet, it's, it usually takes two to three hours to process it. So sometime this afternoon, it will be there. Uh, but if you go there, um, just you just need a name and an email, and then you can watch the entire replay, including the chat. The chat stays open, so you can continue even chatting and corresponding. Uh, so but at the I end- wrote, I, I have a question for you. Yeah, what, what was the one thing that you learned, you learned from your own summit? Yeah, that's that's a good question. I would say maybe it's, I wouldn't say it's confirmation, but 
I, I was actually writing an article on what's the one mistake companies will continue to make throughout this year. So I sort of said, if we meet again in March of 2022 and look back and go, you know, we knew this was coming and the companies still made the same stupid mistakes. There, there was an agreement and it's things that we've been talking about. So it wasn't shocking to me, but it was good to hear from three other experts that one was, you know, that we're not going back to normal, that the, that things are going to continue to change faster, that there's not going to be one normal. There's going to be these waves of normal. Uh, so I, I, I think that was it. You know, again, I mean, this was my subject, so I, I dive pretty deep on it. And and but it was good to hear because we had uh, Heidi Spierge from uh, Chief Strategy Officer, uh, Chief uh, Strategy and Growth Officer from Cornerstone on Demand. And Russ Thornley, right? And Russ Thornley, right. And then we had uh, Mary Faulkner from IAHR. Um, and they're all dealing with other companies. And right. part of that was trying to get a sense of not what they knew, but what were some of the struggles that, well, especially at Cornerstone, which is a large company, uh, what they were experiencing, how they were adapting. But what were they seeing with their clients? You know, was were they struggling? Were they, were they hopeful? Were they optimistic? Um, and again, um, follow the you know, click on the link. I'll go to the link and uh, and and watch it. The replay again will be up um, probably maybe by the time we're off the air here today. Uh, but please go up and watch it and um, and uh, you know, see what you think. Let us know. But uh, it, it was it was really a dynamic experience and it was a, it was a shame it was like we were 45 minutes into it and it was like we were hitting full stride everybody had a lot to say and we were running out of time so we didn't we we i, I guess the disappointing thing is i wanted to do a little bit more q a um we had a few uh but they people were actually in the q a on themselves they were they were answering their own questions uh, or other people were, were chiming in. So it was I love really, it. I love it. When they're going to do it again. We're actually on April 13th. We're going to do a follow-up. Um, that one's just going to be me. But for anybody who completes the AQAI, uh, there's a special offer. So if you listen to it, you can get the code. Uh, but if you do that, we're going to actually do a group a group debrief and talk about, uh, you know, people can share the results or ask questions about it. Uh, so you'll hear a little bit more about that. But today we've got some great guests. We do. Uh, yeah, we and again, we're going to continue on this theme. Uh, we've got Bill Jensen, who you're familiar with. You know Bill. Uh, he's got a new way book. Back. <laughs> um, the Day Tomorrow Said No. I love I love that title. I mean, it's, it's one of those things is, why did I think about that? But, uh, <laughs> you know, I love that title. And then uh, our second segment today, we're going to have Tom Bradbury. Uh, he has a new book, uh, The Culture Project. And it's 30 days to reboot your organization. And again, another uh, short short read, but a lot of a lot of really good information in there. So we're going to talk uh, today about how how can people reimagine their future and reboot it. And and they're really excited that Bill. I just met Bill. Bill shares the you know one of the top rankings in the Thinkers 360 with me. So that's how I met Bill. And uh, but uh, so, uh, again, uh, one of one of the things that we learned throughout uh, uh, 2020. Um, you know, met a lot of people we, we might not have met before because everybody was home doing things. Right, right. <laughs> we were all, and we were all on our screens, right? We were all on the screens, yeah. So we had a lot of opportunities, and uh, right. and again, we uh, some books that didn't get that weren't getting written got written. 
Uh, my book is still, well, I, I did. We released it February last year, the second edition. So, but um, I'm sure there's another book in my head somewhere. <laughs> I know there's a book in my head. It's just Matt getting it out on the paper and you're still working on yours, you know, as well. Soon to be, soon to be a reality, I yeah, hope. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, right before we go to Bill, we're going to bring him on. I uh, just want to remind everybody, if you're not part of Googleization Nation, please join. Uh, it's free, googleizationnation.com. Uh, you will get uh, weekly updates, um, things about like the webinar. Um, I always post the links to the, the upcoming uh, podcast and the last podcast. And uh, again, any other events or very interesting things that uh, you know happen out there. Anything new and exciting in your world, Joyce? Oh, lots, <laughs> lots, but I've really tried to be heads down, head down, focusing on getting my book finished because I have a speaking engagement in May and I need to have books for that speaking engagement. So I've been very focused. I've also been fascinated to see what's going on out there with the, the variants and Texas, my home state of Texas is not seeing what the other the other states are seeing. So I'm talking about that in my Herman Trend Alert today. But let's, I've, I've known Bill for a very long time and Bill is just a fascinating guy. So let's bring Bill on if it's okay with you, Ira. Yep, absolutely. Hey there, Bill. Good to see you. Hey, everybody. Hi, Bill. Good to see you. Hey, congratulations. Uh, love the book. I uh, like the story format. Um, and, um, I know, uh, we, we, we've got, we're, we're going to dig into this, uh, the subtitles, the discovery that forever changed the future and how we work. So we're going to find out what that discovery was. Uh, but I, I, especially for anybody who likes a, a fable or, you know, there, there's a whole series of books out there that I, that they got on my bookshelf and you always remember them. You, you remember them because it's a story, you know, and you talk about the three characters today, tomorrow and little one. So why don't we start there? Um, talk about the three characters and then we'll, we'll, we'll dig into, you know, why you wrote the book and, and, uh, you know, what the message is. Well, thank you both for having me. The three characters today, tomorrow and little one are essentially really easy to figure out present future and the future generation that will be populating the future. Mm -hmm. And uh, everything I've done for over 30 years is research-based. I've interviewed and surveyed over a million people around the globe over the last 30 years. Uh, and one of, the one of the trends and facts that came out of the last five years is I've been asking people, can you achieve your dreams where you currently work? Now, both of you, uh, give me a number from 0% to 100%. What percentage would you think said, yes, I can, where I work, I can achieve my dreams. And, and before we go there, just for anybody who's listening and well, listening, if you're watching on YouTube or Facebook, uh, throw it in your, throw it in the chat, throw, you know, leave a comment. What do you think is, it, do you, you know, have you been able to achieve your dreams or not? I would say it's something under 20%, maybe 13. Okay. Joyce, Ira? Yeah, I, I would say that it's, you know, probably in the, let's go uh, 10 to 15% range. Okay. So first, 
we're all three of us are smiling, but think about it. First, be horrified by your two guesses. We're thinking somewhere under a quarter of us can achieve our dreams where we currently work. And the, and the truth is it sucks even more. It's 9.8% on the global average, 10, less than 10%. So why do I bring that up? What I did was I built a fable, the story of the future, but I used future of worked facts and trends, actual trends in the book. And the day tomorrow said no was the what's called an inciting incident in storytelling. Tomorrow, the future, is running out of dreams. We don't have enough dreams to keep us going forward into the into an amazing future. So tomorrow has throughout human history has always looked to today and said, okay, I'll take the handoff. And that's how the future always happens. This time, for the first time in human history, tomorrow said, no way, I'm not, you're still, you're messing up 8 billion people. I don't have enough dreams to keep going. And that's where the story starts, is that, what happens when we don't have enough dreams to keep all of us going. That's so interesting, Bill. Yesterday, uh, and I think Ross, I mean, it's, there's a little circle going around here. Ross Thornley from AQAI uh, posted a Simon Sinek uh, video, and it was about um, people have a right, it's not a privilege to enjoy their work. They have a right to enjoy the work that they do. And there was a little debate going back and forth is, well, that's sort of an entitlement that people would have being able to go to work, to have a job that they enjoy. Like first you have to work hard to earn that. Uh, so there's a little, you know, going back and forth, but your message is, is you know, is, is sort of indicative of, of that. It's that there's this old school of thought of, of uh, you know, you, you got to work hard and do that. And, and, and no, you, you know, if you don't like doing, enjoy what you're doing, suck it up. <laughs> and, and Ira, it goes beyond enjoyment. Yeah, absolutely. Enjoyment is crucial. But another research thing that I've been, question I've been asking is around the most important things uh, to people about the future of work and your career. And most of us think it's, it's good people, good culture. You know, I'm, I'm happy doing the work. I'm making a difference. Yes, those are all important. But for mid-level managers and below, I did uh, research with Ultimate Software, and we asked thousands of people around the globe, uh, what's, most, what's your biggest, most important uh, professional priority? And in that research, what came out of it was not best people, best practices, best company. It's my ability to control or contribute to or drive my own future. It's personal. What what we leave out of the equation most of the time is personal agency. And I, I want to come back to the how dare anyone think or use the word entitlement anymore, because it's about personal ag agency. Can I succeed working with you? That's the question we need to start debating and thinking about. So it's not just work hard, head, head down, nose to the grindstone thing. It's if I'm going to join your team, can I, can my future one that I envision be successful right. with you. Right. And, and how, I, like, how can I contribute to what you're doing? Is that the idea? How can I contribute and how do my contributions to your bottom line, your agenda, your products, your services contribute to my personal success? And personal success, as we know from books like The, the One Thing and others, uh, 
a personal success is not just financial and it's not just happiness. You know, it's, it's as we learned with COVID, it's social connections. It's uh, the ability to learn and grow. It, it's financial, it's, it's, it's health, it's well-being. Uh, there's multifaceted version of success. So we're flipping in the, this book and, and the research that I do, we're flipping around the concepts of success. And it's not just entitlement or engagement, it's around do my contribute, con contributions to you help your bottom line and mine? And that goes back to the question that I've, and I, I think I shared it last week. Uh, I do so many interviews and, and in addition to this one, uh, but it, it's flipping the, for years and years and years, we've been talking about people are, are a company's most important asset. And this flip over is an organization should be a, the, an employee's most important asset. Yes. It should help them improve their well-being. It should help them grow and thrive. Um, and that's a from the from the hierarchy and the tip and the traditional organizational structure of a bureaucracy from top down. That's not the way it was. I mean, for for a hundred years, it's it's been we we pay you show up and do you know do what we do what we tell you to do and and uh, and and you get a paycheck and you get you may get some benefits. And well, now, how, oh, go ahead, Joyce. How many companies actually have that attitude any, uh, at this point? Not enough. Very few. <laughs> Very few. Yeah, for sure. It's also interesting um, that you talk about joy being, you know, it's do you think that there's a tomorrow? Do you feel hopeful? Um, on the AQAI assessment, the adaptability quotient, uh, there's 15 dimensions. One of those is hope. That's a, a personal characteristic. Mm -hmm. Is the most powerful driver is one of the most powerful drivers of how how adaptable people are. Because if, if then why adapt if they if there's no hope, right? So if they happen to be hopeful, and and it's a chicken or the egg, does adaptability drive hopefulness, or does hopefulness drive their adaptability? And if and if one and if they are they are related, how do you impact it? So if somebody's not hopeful. How do you do that? And then they will adapt or how do you improve their ability to adapt so they're more hopeful? So, anyway, and, and hope is one of the common outcomes themes in the book, the day tomorrow, uh, uh, yeah. the, uh, the fact that tomorrow said no. Uh, but it also begs a question that uh, is more serious and more concerning. How many people are we leaving behind? And if there's one lesson we've learned from COVID right now, you know, you and most everybody listening and watching today are knowledge workers. Uh, if we look at what COVID did to janitors, to waitresses, to cooks, uh, to frontline workers who, you know, really have to show up in order to earn a paycheck, we're looking at a huge divide around hope that the knowledge workers and maybe some students were able to thrive this year. Many people have not been able to, and we need to start addressing that. And that's what's also within the book. Yeah, McKinsey just, and, and I just read this, it was on one of the reports, um, but it's one of the things that happened is, is that typically if people that worked in a restaurant couldn't work there, they might get a food service job uh, or they might drive Uber. You know, there was all these jobs that they would flip to. So if you couldn't get one job in one industry, you went to another industry. But all those jobs were being affected. 100% of those jobs, and a lot of them just aren't coming back. Exactly. Uh, 
Yeah. So yeah, it was it was interesting because people lost that mobility from job to job because the multiple industries were eliminating the same level of jobs that people went from working as a clerk um, in a retail store and and then they got a restaurant job. Well, they're right. both going away. <laughs> <laughs> and yet we know that we have millions of job openings now in the U.S. and even more coming as the economy really recovers yeah, we're still from what's going on. Yeah, I mean, seriously. So Bill, what, what's next? How, how somebody reads this and they say, okay, yeah, this makes sense. You know, what, what's the next step? I mean, what, you know, other than how, how does the book help people grow that hopefulness? Um, there are two answers to that. One is societal and one is personal for the reader. Uh, societal, what I try to build into this entire through line of the story is empathy, putting ourselves in the shoes of the other people who are out there. So this is not just a storytelling anecdote that I built into a book. Um, I've been consulting for 35 years now. One of my first gigs uh, that I was still wet behind the ears and uh, PepsiCo asked me to do some work and on re-engineering processes and how to communicate them through the organization. And uh, they taught me a valuable lesson. They would not, not let me work on charts on the wall. You know, there was just statistical analysis and flows. You know, it, it, it involved people, but it was really about uh, workflows. And uh, they would not let me work on that until I put on uh, safety shoes and a uniform and I moved Pepsi into grocery stores and I delivered Pepsi into grocery stores. I had to see what frontline work was. So throughout my consulting career, I've used that lesson I've learned. And whenever I do consulting assignments, one of the, if there's a long-term gig where I'm really helping to drive organizational change, I ask the senior executives to do frontline jobs for a day. Most of them don't even last a full day. It's usually a half day. <laughs> but I remember one that I did a while ago for one of the world's largest retailers. Um, I took the CFO and the chief financial officer and made him a cashier for the day. And he didn't even last a full day. And he came out of it coming, oh, my God, I, I can't believe how hard it is to make money in our stores. These, the cashier is broken. You, you know, the cash register is broken. The cards don't read. You know, this is not well stocked. It's not marked. It's like, how do we deal with this? Right. Uh, because most of the executives are so far removed from how products get moved and how things get sold and how people are serviced. So empathy is one of the societal things. We need to start seeing why uh, the elections in the US and in the UK created hatred for immigrants. We need to start seeing how COVID created uh, problems with our uh, middle to lower class. We can't solve these problems. And that and that works all the way down to your team. So in the book, there's a facilitator's guide. It's take that mentality of empathy and find out what your teammates did in the last year, how they survived, how they thrived, how they got through it. So empathy is one of the things that's societal. Uh, personal, 
what it does is it creates, uh, what the book does is it creates a future through three potential outcomes for all jobs. And we did the analysis and throughout all of human history and every job out there always comes down to just three different jobs, believer, breaker, or builder. All of us are one or possibly two or three of those, and we need to understand our role. Believers are the ones who go, yes, team, we can do it, we can do it. But they're also the ones who are like the Greta Thunbergs of, of climate change and say, no, we've got to get this right. We've got to take a stand. Believers take stands for things. They talk truth to power. They stand up against the organization. They stand for the organization, but talk back and go toe-to-toe -to -toe with leaders. We need more believers out there. We need people with the courage to stand up for principles. Breakers are um, what uh, Steve Jobs and Apple in an early Mac commercial called the crazy ones. The breakers are the ones that create the new rules, that break the old ones and create the new technologies, the new rules. That's innovation that, that you're showcasing on, on many of your shows. And then the builders are the ones that connect the dots, create infrastructure systems that work, that can be for a small, how a small team inter interacts, or it can be uh, how the economy works, or it, how it can be, you know, how the, uh, how the environment is being polluted or not. Uh, so every one of us has a role as believers, breakers, or builders. And the assessment that comes at the end of the book is, which are you, and what are you going to take a stand for now that you understand you are one or more of those three? So, so Bill, what do you think is the most important thing for HR professionals to think about besides empathy as we emerge from this pandemic? Um, I've been consulting in HR for three decades, and I still believe in the Fast Company uh, uh, cover story that was maybe 15 years ago. And it's like, why do we need HR? You know, it's it's like trash it. The reason we need to really question the existence of HR is for the longest time we've gone. And by the way, my 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 academic background is in HR. Uh, we, we've been for a couple decades now. We need a seat at the state table. We need to be business people. We need to support. Well, we've gone, the, the pendulum has swung too far. We're too much in bed with business. We are not enough of an advocate for Jane and Joe workforce. People. Part of our job is to begin advocating for people's needs, not just training and development that, that the CEO and the senior team says we can afford, but training and development that people earn and deserve and need to get their jobs done. Uh, not just engagement the way the company defines it, but I also want to go down to back to personal agency. How much are you making sure that every individual can succeed? Do you know, have you talked to your team? Just HR leaders, talk to your HR team. Do you know their personal dreams and goal? The way you run your HR department, can they achieve their personal dreams and goals working for you? Really? Now expand it beyond HR. The people who are in the maintenance department or in f order fulfillment or whatever, can they achieve? Mm -hmm. Are you helping them personal agency? 
Are you training and developing them? So even if they walked out the door, they could thrive and survive in the new future of work because you don't want them to work out, walk out the door, but you need to train them to be able to thrive and survive in this new future of work. So what you're saying, I think, is that we want to give all of our employees what a friend of mine coined uh, as grounded courage. Yes. And we need to support that and endorse it and encourage it and champion it. Wow. So, Bill, we're we're coming up toward the end. I just told you, this goes super, super fast. Um, I I got a question. I asked it earlier today, and and I'm going to ask you. Um, You're back on the show March 2022. We're, We're talking about, you know, all the things that people and companies should do to change. When when you're looking back a year, what's the one mistake you think organizations are going, or man, and I say organizations, management is going to make over the course of this year? What's the one biggest mistake you think they're going to make? Well, mistake, I, I'm an optimist, so I'll try to flip that around as quick as I can, but directly <laughs> directly not supporting their people and their personal success. Hmm. But the one positive thing to answer your question, what's the one thing they will have done? I've been coaching executives throughout the, throughout the pandemic, and I asked them one question, which will drive towards the positive answer. I asked them, uh, what do you want your legacy to be three years from now? So putting it in the context of one year from now, they will have envisioned what their legacy, legacy is the impact we have on others. Uh, not, not just our reputation, but how we impacted the world around us and the people around us. So they will have thought through their legacy three, three years from now, and they will be one year closer towards delivering on that legacy. Yeah. And, let's, well, hope. And, yeah, yeah, let's hope. <laughs> Um, Bill, you got your new book. Where is it? <laughs> the, the, the day tomorrow said no. Um, how can people get a hold of it? And by the way, just my recommendation: this is one of those books that you can have your team do. It takes doesn't take a big read, and have some great discussions around it. It's not just for management. It's not just somebody trying to figure out how to help others and lead or manage. But this this is everybody. So it's one of those books that everybody could participate in. And I, I, I again, I, it's one of those. Hopefully one day I'll write a storybook <laughs> as you did. So. so how to get it is go to www. Tomorrow said yes. And the, it ends in dot es. Scrolling across the bottom right there. Tomorrow so. said yes. Go there. And you by the way, you can get it for free <laughs> if you go there instead of Amazon. Definitely. Definitely a place to do it. Uh, any final thoughts, Bill, for our, for our listeners? Uh, I recently saw that Ringo Starr had a birthday, and he signs out with peace and love. Peace and love. Good, good, good message. Good message. Thank you, Bill. It's Thank you, Bill. You. Congratulations again on the book. I'm sure we'll be talking. We'll be chasing each other on the Thinkers 360. Thank you all. Great to have you as our guest, Bill. Okay. Super nice, super good, and and I'm I'm very wow. serious. I think it's a it's one of those books that uh, you know people can can use and talk about and easy read, 
you know, for people, not, not as it doesn't have, you don't have to be in the C-suite to, to be able to, to do it. Um, but we have another great guest coming up, uh, Tom Bradbury with his new book, uh, Culture Project. But before we do that, um, just want to thank everybody for listening to Geek Skeezers and Googleization, for being part of Googleization Nation. If you're not a member of Googleization Nation yet, go up uh, to it and uh, subscribe. You'll get uh, our weekly update about webinars, uh, different events. And right now we're going to take a quick 90 second break and um, listen to our two sponsors, uh, Ingomo and brand new, brand new uh, from Ingomo and Success Performance Solutions. We'll be back and we'll be talking with Tom. Imagine growing great employees and advancing emerging leaders for less than a dollar a day. The Ingomu app will support your employees in a myriad of ways, from career and personal development to health and wellness. No need to schedule and hold trainings. Just have them access over 90 coaches for live virtual group and one-on-one coaching for whatever topic they need or want to work on. Anytime, anywhere. Learn more at Ngomu.com today. For many people, the bridge to the new normal is too far, too difficult, too scary. Waiting to get back to normal becomes a way of life, filled with fear and despair. But wait, why are those people who dare to travel to the new normal celebrating? Opportunity and growth? How can you get a piece of the action? The bridge between the past and the future, the status quo and the new normal is adaptability. You have a choice. Which side of the future do you want to land on? Will it be coping and surviving or growing and thriving? Adaptability Quotient is the new competitive edge. Hey, welcome back, everyone, to Geek Skeezers Googleization. Uh, thanks for being part of Googleization Nation. And uh, we had a great first segment. If you missed it, uh, go back and watch the uh, watch or listen to the replay with Bill Jensen. We were talking about the day tomorrow said no. Uh, it's a great little storybook uh, about uh, you know how you can adapt to the next wave as well. And now we've got uh, we're going to bring on uh, our next guest, which is Tom Bradbury. Uh, just met. Uh, yeah, Bradbury. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, I met uh, Tom just a few weeks ago. He was referred by uh, for another guest, uh, Jeff Gotthelf. Uh, we talked about Sense and Respond. Uh, he, he wrote a book and uh, was probably maybe two years from now, <laughs> two years ago, way, way before the pandemic. Um, but Tom's uh, new book is called The Culture Project, uh, 30 Days to Reboot Your Organization. And uh, so... Hopefully, Tom is going to join us shortly. There, there he is. is. Hey, Welcome, guys. Tom. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for having me. Hey, good to see you again. So I, I know you were in the green room. You were listening to what we were talking about. Uh, yeah. So obviously, an obvious, obvious question is, well, two things. One is congratulations on the book. Thank uh, you. And uh, I listened to your interview with Jeff uh, two weeks ago, was it? Yeah. Yeah. A live interview. So got a little bit of background on there. Um, but how does that segue? I mean, you know, honestly, I mean, thir- I, I've, I've, I haven't read it word for word, but I've, I flipped through it. Uh, 30 days uh, to reboot an organization in, you know, one, it, it sounds great, but it sounds like a lot. <laughs> so, <laughs> it can be, it can be right. And um, I mean, it's not to be taken so literal that um, a leader shouldn't, you know, pace themselves and appropriately, but it's more about getting to them and 
grabbing he or she by the lapels and saying, make those changes to this organization that you know need to be made, right? There, there's just been so many very successful CEOs that I've interviewed and met with, and I can't tell you how many of them said to me, I think you're right, Tom. And they talked about these little things they knew and they kept burrowed away in their brain that, you know, if they took the time and looked at some of the fundamental components of their organization, they would they would say, oh, why is this? You know, it sounds so great in the boardroom, but by the time it gets here, you know, why is it doesn't have the same strategic value as it it did in the in the conference room where we came up with this idea. So they know them and they kind of suppress them because they it, it's difficult. It's difficult for any leader to initiate change because they know they're going to have to be the, you know, the person that, you know, m does more than just endorse it. Once they witness these fundamental issues and how they can overcome them or change them, they have to roll their sleeves up. Yeah, I, I actually call it roll up your sleeves leadership. <laughs> yeah, it's true. And, and you know, listening to, to Bill, he had a lot of um, great and amazing things to say. And he, he uses the word empathy a lot. And it's not that I don't find myself wanting to be or, or being empathetic. Um, when, when I wrote this book, I, I thought about how can I just be very direct to a leader and, um, you know, I'm an entrepreneur. I've owned my own business and supported myself and my family since I was in my mid 20s. And um, so I always like to get right to the root of something and try to help fix it or improve it or evolve it. And that's what this book is, because I realized that today, even pre pandemic, right, culture can be driven by looking at how people and technology work well together. You're talking about productivity, you're talking about engagement, less friction. And I just think that is, while there are many different approaches and perspectives in and around culture, this is mine. Um, and it's, as I said, entrepreneurial, but it's really making a better match of people and technology for the benefit of both the company and to Bill's point, the employees themselves. So, Tom, you're really a tech guy. You founded the New York Technology Group in 1997 and Labrador Technology in 2000. What prompted you to make this transition? Well, when um, the, the biggest chunk of my career was with Labrador Technology, a company I owned, uh, I founded and owned myself. And what we did was help corporations through transition and transformation, mostly around you know, a real estate transaction is happening and is pushing for a relocation or a renovation of the workplace. And what my company did was chair all the tech initiatives that would go along with that change. So we had to know, you know, a lot about many different aspects of technology, everything from audiovisual to physical security to network cybersecurity and everything in between voice, trading systems, depending on who we were working with. And, um, you know, so having that much um, awareness about through a project where we also have understand the design and construction project, I saw how these big um, organizations would make decisions much more tactically than you would think of these global sophisticated businesses. 
right? And they were big. We used to do a lot of great work for the PepsiCo and Unilever and Bridgewater Associates and and a, a BNP Paribas and Alliance Bernstein. And some of them were better at it than others. But um, without a doubt, we would be talking about a new workplace and where they were going as a business, which meant who they wanted to hire in the future. And sometimes the tools that they were thinking about going just to the next version of weren't really the in lockstep with who they wanted to hire and what they wanted to be as a brand. So I hmm. noticed a lot of that and tried to add to that conversation more strategically. It was a little tough in that business arena. Things tended to be a little bit more commoditized. So when I sold my business to a competitor, I decided to really dig in and I started to do these workplace technology assessments many of which were with my partner, Ira, you saw the interview on with Jeff's right. and I had my good friend and collaborator from Brian Berthold from Cushman and Wakefield. And we, I went around with them and I was the people slash tech assessor um, for a lot of these workplace technology assessments. And I saw very consistent themes and issues on every one of these opportunities. So it helped me say, you know, who can help, who can help these organizations? First and foremost, leadership has, can't just be, they have to witness. So they're more than just an endorsement of a change. And then it's how do we look for the attributes, not just prescribe technical solutions, but understand the attributes of what technologies would benefit both the business and productivity and people. So that's once I got going and got some steam, I decided to write this book as a guide, um, not only for um, how I like to do my work and what I think is important to get to culture, but also to help convince some leaders out there to stop and reflect on all of those little things they know in the back of their head that they need to approach and, and make better within their organization. So what is your technology for aligning, uh, What sorry, what is your methodology for aligning technology and talent? So um, I like to understand executives' perspective on where they want to take the business. I also want to understand where different domains, most many of which who have an impact on the internal component of the business, right? But IT, HR, maybe finance and how they budget, um, things like that. And I like to hear what they feel their marching orders are, are really dependent upon or, you know, what, how they're being given their marching orders, I should say, right? And then I like to understand the reality of many of the people that work within the organization. So I call them the leaders, the builders, and then the users, right? And, and I would say somewhere around 100% of the time, there's a mis mismatch in how you know, each of them look at talent and tech together. And then once you know, once you have that evidence, you can really go back and say, these are the kind of things that are happening and what can we do about it and make some recommended changes. Tom, you, you mentioned this twice in, in different and you said it differently, but you mentioned that some companies are really, you know, were better than others. You, you did it and they were successful, but they were better than others. And then you said it in a slightly different way um, a few minutes ago. Are, what and we just have a few minutes here, but were there certain traits or characteristics that differentiated the two that you can look back and say, 
some were better than other. What does that look like? I mean, how would you tell somebody who wasn't as good that this is what they needed to do differently? A lot of it came from leadership and how they approach the different domain experts, right, within their organization. Marketing, sales, HR, IT, and where there was much more of a traditional view of kind of empowering each one of those domain leaders independently of one another, right? That That's where I would see uh, businesses get stuck in kind of disrupting the traditional or legacy perspective on how their organization runs, right? Versus other uh, leaderships would be more about getting those people together and making sure that what we're doing in one domain is a cohesive piece of the puzzle with those other domains so that they're all looking at it together rather than independently. That, that was the most consistent thing. And, you know, many people refer to it as silos. Um, and the um, leaders that really look to break those silos down or act in a way that don't allow those silos to become brick walls, that's where I would see a higher rate of success. There's a, there's a book, I, and I, 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 mean, I just started to listen, read it in a couple different versions of it, uh, Humanocracy. Um, and they, I love this term that they came up with. It's a, a bureausclerosis. Uh, <laughs> yes. You know, you talk about the, the fragile, you know, is, is that the, the, the biggest challenge organizations face these days is bureau sclerosis. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, and some of these companies are so big, they have multiple CHROs, they have multiple CIOs, they have multiple, you know, of everything. And it's really hard to uh, kind of make it co or bring some cohesion out of it. But I, I, you know, when someone says, Tom, who's your favorite or perfect client? I say, I love the middle market, right? Take a billion dollar company, they're, they're private, they're big enough to have real world sophisticated issues. Many of them probably hired a lot of their domain leaders for operational, their operational prowess, right? And they do things very well, but they need to be challenged. And that leader of a firm like that um, on one hand, uh, they, you know, if they want to, they can get in and put their arms around it and make significant change and set their business up for a brighter future. May we go back to your book for a moment, please? Tom? Sure. The, I, 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 tell us how you see that perhaps leadership teams could use that book to really transform their culture. And 30 days seems to be like supersonic. Right. Uh, <laughs> that's well, I say in the intro that, you know, I don't mean that to be literal 30 days. However, I do want to present it in a way where it's digestible to a leader to take the time and go look at some of the fundamental you know, um, interactions within their business, right? And if they do, so if I, if I wrote a book that said, I'm being a little dramatic, 10 years to get, you know, they, ah, I don't have time for that, right? So I'm trying to get them to get in and read it. And I think they'll see quickly that they can, you know, hire some like me to help them through it, right? Um, but, but also they can also give them an idea of how they can get in quickly and look and find the evidence they need to go address those things that are in the back that they've suppressed that they need to take on. 
and, and where can they get the book? Um, how, how can they? How can they reach? How, how, I can't talk. How can they get a hold of you? Run, run out of uh, of juice here. <laughs> That's okay. Thank you. Um, uh, Amazon. This is the book, The Culture Project: Thirty Days to Reboot Your Organization. And I can be found on LinkedIn, Tom Bradbury, or uh, my email address, which is uh, Tom at Helix H E L I X two the number two dot us. Tom, congrats on the book. Really appreciate you being here. Um, you know, we're talking about getting you back for a longer segment down the road. Uh, yeah, and, and hopefully we'll, you know, you'll have some maybe case studies or some examples that that uh, you can share with us. But uh, really appreciate you being here. Thanks. Great. Thank you both. Thank you, Tom. Okay. Stay safe. Bye. Take care. Again, oh, another supersonic fifty minutes. Yeah, we've got great guests and and uh, you know the opportunity to to, to uh, pair a few people with one another and dovetail off that uh, really creates some interesting conversations. So appreciate it, and we appreciate you, uh, everybody that listens and watches the Geek Skeezers and Googleization. Uh, we're live every Wednesday, 1 p.m. Eastern time uh, on YouTube, Facebook, and a couple other places. Uh, and then uh, many of you are probably watching on a replay or the podcast. Uh, we're on nearly every podcast that's out there. Uh, please, uh, you know, please subscribe to the podcast. Uh, please Googleizationnation.com. Yeah, please, please let us know how we're doing. Uh, you know, please rate it. Hopefully uh, we'll can, we can get some five stars out there. Uh, if there's things that guests you want to hear, topics you want to hear, oh, please, yes. let, please us know. let us know. Yeah, mm. please, please do. Um, and again, this is Ira Wolf and Joyce Joya. We're you know we're here every Wednesday, 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Geek Skeezers Googleization. Uh, don't forget to to uh, subscribe to Googleization Nation and also to Herman Trendalert.com. I go up and get Joyce's uh, newsletter. Uh, we didn't talk about what's uh, today's topic. What's going uh, on? Today's topic is. Where are we now in terms of COVID-19 variants, vaccinations, and, and what do people need to know as we emerge? How, how fitting. So again, continuation on the theme. Uh, so until next week, don't let the shift hit your plans. Bye, everyone.